Salvation is just the first step in God's plan for our lives. If you'd like to know more about salvation, just go to our website at southsidechristianfellowship.net and click on the Salvation tab today. Amen, amen. Let's give the Lord praise as Corey brings the word this morning. God bless you, brother. God bless you. It's an awesome honor for this opportunity. You know, I don't take any of it lightly as the Lord uh, opens the door, gives me an opportunity. I thank Brother Dale. I thank Brother Herman. I thank this facility because it's not about the building. You know, it's not about the church. It's about God's men here that are here this morning and each and every one of us are men of God and, you know, we serve in different capacities and uh, I just thank God for each and every one of you. And uh, I by no means feel like I uh, belong here coming out of the life that I came out of and uh, I'm just totally and completely amazed coming out of a life of addiction that uh, God would even use me or give me an opportunity to be used. If you would have told me uh, years ago when I came out of addiction or God delivered me out of addiction that one day I'd be standing here doing something like this, I probably would have turned around and I'd been like, Moses, you got the wrong person, you know, and it's not, it's not me, it's somebody else. Somebody else is, needs to do that. Don't let me be the one that does it. But I thank God that uh, he didn't reveal all that to me in the beginning. Amen? And sometimes we just trust God and trust the process, and uh, he takes over. Hallelujah. Uh, before I get kind of, I'm going to get warmed up, I guess. I told Brother Bobby, I told the Lord this morning when I was praying, I said, Lord, you know, I kind of like to just kind of teach today, you know, ease along because some of those guys, you know, they're used to teaching, you know, and uh, I don't know if he's going to answer that prayer or not. I kind of feel like it might be starting to get a little wound up, you know what I mean? <laughs> oh, praise the Lord. Uh, brother, that reminds me, Brother Greg Marsh, uh, back when he was at, down at Griffin First Assembly on some of those Sunday nights, you could feel that spirit starting to move and the presence of God coming in and the power of God coming on. He'd look over at me and he'd do like this, like I'm fixing to get cranked up. And I'd look back at him and do like that and I'm getting cranked up with you, brother. Let's ride. So I just thank God for that this morning. Is there anybody in here that feels like right now I've got to have prayer? I don't need to go any further. I need it right now. Is there anybody? You got any ailments? You got any situations? You got any spiritual, mental, any type thing, you know, that you just feel like, hey, I need prayer. I don't have to get to the end. I can pray at the beginning. I can pray at the middle. I can pray at the end. We don't have to get to the end. If, I know sometimes people walk in, you know, I, and <clears throat> you probably can identify with this. There's been times when I've walked into church thinking, you know, I need some prayer right now. You know, I need this to lift right now. I need this to be gone right now. So I always like to open up with, hey, if you need it, I'm willing, you know. Uh, I'll, I'll pray with you and pray for you. But I always open up with that opportunity. Also, the Lord laid something on my heart this morning. And I'm just going to be transparent. Anybody's ever heard me speak, you know that I'm pretty open and pretty transparent. Uh, I'm by no means, uh, I'm not a cookie cutter preacher. <laughs> Come on, Brother Dale, say amen over there, huh? <laughs> uh, amen. I'm not a cookie-cutter preacher. I hadn't graduated from anywhere. The only place I've graduated is the School of the Holy Ghost. But I was praying this morning. Somebody hurt my, hurt my daughter this week, and he's a fellow church member or church participant. And how many of you that got children, you know, if they hurt your children, they hurt you. If they hurt your children, 
you know, you want to tell, hey, Jesus, you sit right here for just a minute. I got to go over here and take care of something. Yeah. <laughs> you stay right here. I'll be back in a little bit. I got to go take care of some stuff. So I was praying about that this morning and asking God to help me with it, you know, and uh, you know how you, well, maybe you don't pray like this, but every once in a while I pray like this, God, just strike them dead, you know, let fire come down on them and just burn them up, you know, and uh, you, you pray like that for a while and then you get past that, but I began to think, Lord, you know, what do you do, you know, I mean, I know you're supposed to pray and da, 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 this, I said, but how did your son and how do you as my father tolerate People getting hurt, you know? How do you tolerate? If you, if you love me any more than I love my daughter, and I know you do, how do you tolerate it? How did Jesus tolerate the hurt, the offense, you know? How did he not call? He had the ability to call the fire down. He had the ability to say, you know, hey, you're dead. Tag, you're it, you're dead. And he didn't, you know? And, and what, what, how do you do it? How did he do it? And the Lord spoke to me and said, the love has to outweigh the hurt. The love has to outweigh the anger. The love has to outweigh the offense. And I just want to tell you, I know that each and every one of us have had hurts or offenses in our life because the Bible says offense is going to come. And some of us think that we may be past it until that name's brought up in conversation or that event is brought up in conversation. I had a situation that years gone by and all of a sudden one morning in prayer or one conversation with somebody, that name came up and I felt that, mm. And the Lord said, it's been a long time, but you maybe hadn't truly forgiven Come on, brother, I'm just being honest with you here. So I had to ask, you know, Lord, Lord, forgive me. If, if there is, shine the spotlight of the Holy Ghost in my heart down deep in the closet back in the back somewhere and let me know and let me go ahead and say his name and that situation in that event because apparently I haven't totally forgiven if it's still given a tinge in my spirit and in my heart 10 years later when the name's announced. So I just want to tell you this morning... <clears throat> If there's anybody that's got a little tinge of hurt, you know, I mean, you've you got to ask the Lord to search your own heart. You know, I'm not here to call you out or point you out, but each and every one of us probably got a little something about something. And just ask the Lord to help you with it and forgive you. And, you know, say, Lord, let the love of Jesus Christ outweigh the hurt. Let the love of Jesus Christ outweigh the offense. Let the love of Jesus Christ outweigh that situation or that person and and then you know biblically you got to pray you know for them and you know sometimes it takes a little while of praying the fire and wanting them to die before you get to the part where you can get to the part of praying for them at least that is the way for me you know sometimes it takes me two or three days to praying for them before I can really start praying for them come on as a little tidbit there I wanted to share with you before we got started today what I'm gonna bring to you this morning is is don't be a river critic Don't be a river critic. <laughs> Don't be a river critic. Come on. And for all you religious people, come on now. 
Brother, come on. Yeah, if you, if you got any religion in you, I'm going to stomp on your toes this morning. I'm coming by, and I'm going to let it go. Amen. I'm going to throw it up in fifth and let it ride. Hallelujah. And, brother, in the back, you and your buddy last week, can't think of y'all's name right off. Some of our, Bobby's already told me. Y'all did an awesome job last month. You know, tag teaming's the tough. You know, David and Daniel. Yeah, it's, it's tough when you tag team like that, you know. And it, it flowed well and went well, and the subject matter was great, and, you know, the power of God was in it. So I just want to tell you, I admire that, and I enjoyed it. And I realize when you're standing up here and you're tag teaming with somebody, it, it's, it's not as easy. You know, a lot of people think, oh, well, there's two of them, you know, two minds, two voices are better than one, one leans on one. Well, yeah, it, that, that's true, but it don't always flow like it should. So praise God for that. That was wonderful. Second Kings 5. Most of you are familiar with it. Don't be a river critic. And some of you veterans of the faith, I'm talking to you, and most of us are in here. Come on. The more you mature in Christ, the more you have a tendency to be a river critic. Come on. I'm about to. I'm about, look, I'm about to put a little weight on it. Amen. <laughs> Second Kings 5, 1 through 19, I'll probably read uh, most of this. I may not. I may, you know, uh, it's like uh, me and a buddy of mine uh, talk about all the time. Any good message or any good preacher chases a couple of rabbits during the sermon. Amen? And uh, let me just say this. I, I, I'm thinking about it. Somebody asked me. Brother Jeff asked me about it. Brother Jeff, thank you for coming. Thank you for Asking about my mom a minute ago, we all had lunch several weeks ago, the week before the Labor Day, I guess it was. Anyway, my mama gone, and I'm going to tell you this because this is a, a testimony. Um, she went in the hospital on a Monday with sugar five ninety nine. Yeah. Woo! <laughs> yeah, a little high. Come to find out she had been struggling, you know, and she's, I'm going to use her again in this message, but... She had just kind of, she'd be 80 next month and just had kind of quit taking her medicine and quit caring and, you know, old black cloud had come over. And so when they admitted her and I went over there Monday afternoon to see her, well, my dad called me that morning and said, look, they're asking me, do, you, do I want to put her on a ventilator? Because she was breathing. And he said, no, I don't want to put her on a ventilator. I said, well, do you want to resuscitate her if things go wrong? She's got so much strain on her heart with the sugar. Her blood has become toxic because it's basically sugar blood running through there. And do you want to resuscitate her? He called me crying. He asked me what I thought. I said, well, you know, uh, you know, I guess you don't want to make this decision on your own, but I think no. You know, I mean, uh, it depends on what that means. Resuscitate her so she can sit in a wheelchair the rest of her life. Resuscitate her so somebody can put a bedpan up under her the rest of her life. You know what I mean? What does that mean exactly? But I said, I don't think so. And he said, well, I don't think so either. But got over there Monday. She was breathing real hard like that and uh, met with them to have breakfast, I mean lunch on that Tuesday. And Pastor Greg told me, he said, of course, they had gone to his church, so he, he knew them. And uh, he said, I'm going to go to the uh, hospital with you. I said, okay. I went over to the hospital, and she, she, the breathing had changed because they'd had her own, you know, medicine and insulin and all that. But anyway, she would look at you, but she wouldn't look at you. She'd open her eyes, and 
It's just like it was a blank stare. It's like, hey, I'm off in Candyland. I'll be back after a while, and, you know, I'm, I'm here, but I'm not here. But she wasn't breathing, you know, that labored breathing. Well, we talked for a few minutes, and she'd open her eyes, and I'd say, hey, Brother Greg's here to see you, yada, yada, nothing. We brought out the oil, though, and laid hands on her. I was on one side. Brother Greg was on the other. And we started speaking in tongue. And, brother, she might have been off in Candyland, but that spirit, come on, somebody, that spirit, when we began to pray for her, her old eyes opened up like this, and she looked back and forth, and she heard all that, and she knew that spirit that was down in there. That body and that flesh may have been asleep and unresponsive, but that spirit woke up, and she got to looking around like that, you know, looking back and forth. We just kept on praying, didn't even bother us at all, just kept praying, said amen, and she just... I closed her eyes again. Nothing. Went back over there Wednesday. You'd never even known she'd have had enough sugar, toxic sugar blood. Talking, up, you know, moving. Yeah, praise God. So don't forget the power of prayer and the laying on of hands and oiling them up with a little bit of oil. Amen. Hallelujah. It works. I'm here to tell you, it works. It still works today just like it did back then. It still works today. Jesus is the same today as he's going to be tomorrow, and he was yesterday. Amen. Praise God for that testimony. They sent her off to re uh, rehab down in uh, Jackson. Brightmore and Jackson, she went down there on a Tuesday because of that holiday on Monday. Went down there Tuesday afternoon, Wednesday morning. My dad went down there to see her, and she said, this place ain't doing me no good. I want to go home. He went and signed her out and took her home. She's been home ever since. Praise God. Amen. Power of prayer and God answering prayer. All right, Second Kings, we're going to get cranked up now. Here we go. Now, Nahum was the commander of the army of the king of Aram. He was a great man in the sight of the master and highly regarded because through him the Lord had given victory to Aram. He was a valiant soldier, or he was a man of valor, but, but, and when you see but in grammar, everything before it doesn't really mean a whole lot. <laughs> but, you know, I got a message I like to preach. Don't you like looking at buts in the Bible? I think I preached that over at Brother Jeff's. And when you say that title, everybody looks at you like, but then when I say, but God, but God, my mama's sugar was $5.99 and she looks like she was unconscious, but we laid hands on her, but God touched her, but the Holy Ghost moved upon her, hallelujah, but God, don't you like looking at them when it says, but God, but Nahum had leprosy. So really, it was like, well, he's a great soldier, and he's done a lot of great works, and he's won some, you know, battles, but he had leprosy. Now, I'm going to throw this in just as an extra. This isn't really my message. But we as Christians sometimes have spiritual leprosy. Dale said, camp out on that a minute. I think that's what he said. I was, on the other side of the, I was on the other side of the room, but I could have swore that's what he just said. Camp out on that. He said, put a little weight on that one. You know, uh, Nahum, he could get dressed up in his armor, put on his suit to go out to battle, and the average person that saw him didn't understand what was under all that. The average person that he passed didn't understand that he was a leper. 
even though being a leper in that time and day you had to stay back, he could cover all that up. I'm about to, brother. On Sunday mornings, Sunday nights, Wednesday nights, Tuesday nights, Monday nights, whatever, when we go into the building, we put on our little Christian mask with our little Christian armor, and we use our little Christian grammar about, yeah, oh, I'm blessed and highly favored of the Most High King. Oh, if I felt any better, there'd be two of me. Knowing good and well. About to. Knowing good and well that your spiritual man has got leprosy. And you're just covering it up and hiding it because you're at church and you don't want anybody to know. Yeah, that'll preach. And that ain't even my sermon, brother. That's just a little tidbit I thought about on the side as I was reading and studying all this. And each and every one of us have a degree of it in one way or another. Come on, because we're all sinful and none of us are, you know, without sin. So I get all that. But if you look at leprosy and you watch, leprosy has a tendency to numb the feeling. Yeah. And the more religious you get, the more your feeling is numb. Come on. Come on. You're feeling. It, it, it don't feel the same way. You done got stoic. You done got stiff. The fire don't burn like it used to. I'm going on, brother. I ain't going to camp out on that any longer. Amen? So some of us need to repent of our spiritual leprosy. And bring it unto the Lord. Amen. Now bands of raiders from Aram had gone out and had taken captive a young girl from Israel. And she served Naam's wife. She said to her mistress, if only my master would see the prophet who is in Samaria. He could cure him of his leprosy. Naaman went to his master, told him about what the little girl said. And he said, by all means go. The king of Aram replied, I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So Naaman left, taking with him ten talents of silver. 750 pounds of silver is what it said. That's a lot of silver. I ought to be able to buy a lot of things with 750 pounds of silver. Everything but your healing. Come on. Come on. Ain't no money going to buy you healing. He didn't understand that, though. And 10, oh, and 6,000 shekels of gold, that's 150 pounds of gold, and 10 sets of clothing. The letter that he took to the king of Israel read, With this letter I'm sending my servant Naaman to you so that you may cure him of his leprosy. And as soon as the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his robe and said, My God, can I kill and bring back to life? Why does this fellow send someone to me to be cured of leprosy? See how he's trying to pick a quarrel with me? When Elisha, when the man of God... Heard it. He said, send him over here to me where he'll know there's a prophet in Israel. I told the Lord when I read this, I said, God, give me that type of confidence. When I hear about a need, not to be prideful, not to show off, not to gain any popularity or have any special title. I don't even want to be called anything. Just let me have that confidence that when I hear there's a need, tell him, send him over here to me. Let me pray for him. 
because I have the confidence of what you're going to do. Not what I'm going to do, but what you're going to do. Come on, somebody. That's the type of confidence I want. And, of course, the enemy will make you think, well, that's pride. No, it's not pride. It's knowing that the power, power, wonder-working power of Jesus Christ is going to work every time I ask him for it to work. Come on. That type confidence. Elisha said, send him on over here. We're fixing to show him what kind of God we serve. Come on. God to God be all the glory. Amen. So anyway, he said, uh, send him on over here. He said, you know, why have you torn your clothes? Tell a man, come on over here to me. So Naaman went with his horses and chariots and stopped at the door of Elisha. Elisha sent a messenger to him. Go wash yourself seven times in the Jordan and your flesh will be restored and you'll be cleansed. But Naaman went away angry and said, I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God, wave his hand over me, or wave his hand over the spot and cure me of my leprosy. I'm going to stop right here and tell you. God delivered me 24 years ago from IV drug addiction. I was addicted to one thing or another. Grew up in Pentecost. Knew God could do it, but just wasn't ever ready for God to do it. A lot of those lines that, you know, you had fun in, I made sure I went back and got in them two or three times. What I thought was fun. So God delivered me, but I can remember my mom used to lay her hands on my cheek and say, Son, when that Holy Ghost gets on you, all that dope's going to be gone. And I used to be kind of like name. I'd look at her and I'd say, here I am. Tell him, come on. See, because I, I was like Nahum. I was proud. I wanted to continue to live my life, but I didn't want to put my party in. I didn't want to surrender. I didn't want to give it up. I wanted to keep living like I was living, just take the disease of addiction away, just take the disease of IV drug use away. You know, I still may drink a little bit, smoke a little pop, and take this other away from me. Wave some kind of magic. Holy Ghost, come and wave your hand over me. Wave some kind of magic wand. That's what Naaman was wanting to do. I want to go on doing like I'm doing, I just want to get rid of this leprosy. I'm here. I got the money. I'm willing to pay for it. I came by. I heard about you. Come on out here and do what you need to do. See, because we all have an idea of how God needs to do things. And the more religious we get, the more set in the way we think he should do it. Well, bless God, that ain't the way we did it when I came up in church. Well, bless God, if they knew how to run a revival around here like we used to have back in the day. Here's mine now. I'm going to go ahead and tell on myself. Well, I don't see how that's bringing God any glory. I don't understand why we got to have all them lights. It looks more like a nightclub. My God, now they got smoke machines too? Well, it got mighty quiet in here then, didn't it? Got mighty quiet in here then. You know, you turn the lights down in here, it's like a nightclub. What do you mean? Come on. If you've ever had any of those thoughts, you're leaning toward religion. Because God can do what God wants to do when God wants to do it. No matter what, I used to think, you know what? This service is too structured. They're all looking at the program. 
Pastor used to think that, you know, hey, I'm smarter than the rest of y'all. I'm just going to open my Bible and act like I'm reading my Bible. And y'all will think I'm spiritual. But what I'm really doing is finding out what song's coming up next. Because we got to stay with the program. Come on, somebody. Look, I... Brother, why don't you just go ahead and preach for a minute? Quit holding back and let it go. Go on and tell them what you really think. Amen. Put some weight on it. I think I will, brother. I think I will. Amen. And I used to tell the Lord, Lord, look at there. Look at that preacher doing that. Look at that preacher. There's a program. There's a program. There's a program. They're doing this. They're doing that. They've got on the time limit. They're pushing this first service. And the first service is always crammed in. And the second service is really the one. But I don't really want to go to the second service because that messes up my buffet time. Oh, snap. And he said, you don't think I'm big enough to interrupt what I want to interrupt when I want to interrupt it? Come on, somebody. God don't care if they're blowing smoke or spinning lights or the lights are down low. He can still move. And the thing about it is, is this. Lots of times it may not be for me. It may be for somebody else sitting out there. We had an evangelist come through the church several months ago, and he used some language in the pulpit that offended me a little bit. I thought, my God, I can't believe Don't you know that the pulpit is sacred and reverent and my Lord, my. I started to wear shorts and a T-shirt over here this morning just to really mess some of y'all up. Wouldn't have bothered you, brother, but it might have bothered somebody else. And that's that's when you know you got a little religion in you. He said some stuff from the pulpit, and I thought, I can't, I can't believe how in the world is that bringing glory to the Lord? But had one of the biggest young adult altar calls that I've seen in our church in the past two years. It was touching them kids. It might not have been touching old Papa, but it's touching them kids because it was relevant to them. It wasn't religious to them. It was straight talk from somebody that gave it to them just like they, you know, interpreted it and needed it. I thought, my Lord, my God, it might not have been good for me, and I don't really necessarily agree with it, but I can't deny the results. See, Nahum, he, he had a way that he thought it should go. Because he was full of pride. He wasn't religious, but he was prideful. But religious people usually are prideful. Amen. Bless God, that ain't the way we used to do it. Here's your good one. I don't know about you church people over here, but I think this every once in a while on Sundays. Well, bless God, I wish they'd sing some of the hymns that I grew up on. They want to play a new song every Sunday that I ain't never heard of. I don't hardly listen to the radio. Why do they got to try to teach us something new every Sunday? Bless God, why don't we just sing Amazing Grace every once in a while, or at least every third Sunday? Victory in Jesus. Come on. Too loud and too fast, brother. How about this one right here? We, I, I've seen them at our church with earmuffs on. Like, you know, you could at least buy the plugs. <laughs> yeah, this music's just too loud. Yep, and you're too religious. You know, come on, somebody. If it's working for somebody and somebody's soul will be saved from the pits of hell, then it's okay. Don't sit back and be a river critic. 
You never know where the river's going to flow from. You never know where the river's coming from and where it's going. You never know what soul the river's washing over. You never know what God's going to do. You never know how he's going to let it flow. It's not up to you. It's up to Jesus Christ and God Almighty. Woo! I'm going to have fun whether y'all do or not. All right. And he said, here he is right here. He said, you know, couldn't he have uh, let me wash in the Damascus or the Farpar? Better, you know, all those rivers are better than the waters of Israel. Couldn't I wash in them and be cleansed? So he turned and he went off in a rage. The unflexible religious people get angry. When things don't go the way they think they should go. Yeah, bless God, I can't believe they put that carpet in there. They should have never paid that much for that carpet. I've got a place I could have got that stuff for half price up in Dalton. If they'd have just called me, I don't know if I even like the color of that. Praise God, brother, you don't have carpet in here. Well, I don't, this is one that I heard uh, about two or three. Well, they took all the pews out, and now they got chairs. Turning it into a movie house. Like, really? You know, you don't have anything better to gripe about? You're not any more flexible than you're worried about it being a pew or a chair? You're a little religious. You're a river critic. That's what Naaman was. I don't want the Jordan. I want these other ones. I want the ones closer to home. That way I can get cleansed and go on back and do my business. I want to go to church, and I want it to be this way, this way, and this way, and then I want to go, and I want to get in the buffet line, and I want to get home by 1 o'clock where I can get my nap. Or watch a football game. The first one was me. <laughs> church starts at 8.30. I can be at the buffet by 11.30. I can be home and be in my comfy clothes, as we call them, and I can be in bed by one. I can get a power nap for a couple of hours if I want to go back to church again. If I don't, I'll get up and fix something to eat, and then we'll worry about it. Religion, brother, religion. I'll admit it. I got it in me. I grew up in old time Pentecost where the men couldn't wear their hair down below their collar, and uh, if you came to church in a T-shirt and it got a little wet, by God, the women are going to be lusting over you. You know what I mean? Women couldn't wear no makeup, and the women had to wear their dresses down low and, and couldn't cut their hair. And I, thank God that the makeup part's changed because, bless God, some of them need it. <laughs> a little paint never hurt old barn. Sometimes I wish we could wear a little bit. Don't you, Brother Dale? Might doll me up a little bit. Amen. But it's religion, and I grew up in it, and I was ingrained with it. And that, that statement of, well, I don't see how that brings God any glory. Boy, that was old-time Pentecost, you know? You could measure everything up to that. Well, if it don't bring God glory, it doesn't need to be up there. Amen, brother. And sometimes, you know, people that teach, people, people that preach, people that sing, you know, like me, if I sing, I'm making a joyful noise unto the Lord. I can't sing. Brother Clark can sing. I can't. My daughter can sing. I can't. But if I got up to sing, if I was doing it for the glory of the Lord, I don't need any river critics back in the back criticizing me. Amen. I'm doing the best I can with what I got. I'm just smart enough and mature enough now to know that I don't need to be doing that. 
So he, he said, you know, look, I'm going to criticize the Jordan. I want to go around near my house. I want some of those rivers that flow through my land. You know, that's what I want to do. His servant said, my father, if the prophet had told you to do something great, would you not have done it? How much more then when he tells you to wash and be cleansed? Wash was the plan. Cleansed was the promise. And sometimes it's as simple as that, isn't it? Come on, salvation. Spiritual leprosy. Wash with the blood of Jesus Christ. And the promise is, you shall be cleansed. Amen? Elisha said, look, it's as simple as this. You go wash, you dip seven times, you're cleansed. There's the promise. There's the plan. You carry it out. If you want to be obedient, okay. If you want to live with that, then you live with that. You go, you know, either you do this or you don't do it. Elisha was smart enough to know not to go to the door. Because he didn't want it to be about him. Plus, if you dig down a little deeper and you do the research, time of day was a prayer time of day. And he was in there praying about the promise. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. But see, Nahum wanted to be a river critic. And so many times as we mature in Christ and we become veterans, and I'll just go ahead and says, you know, confess your sins one to another. I grew up in Pentecost. I heard some awesome preachers back in the day. That's back when they sweat, you know, sweat by the... By their brow to bring a message, you know? And I've heard a bunch of them in the last 24 years. Evangelists, preachers, teachers, whatever. And one, as soon as one gets through, I'm already going through my mind about, well, <laughs> bless God, if he was going to do like that, he should have just got my phone number and called me. That wasn't real preaching. I'm being honest. I'm being honest. You know? Well, bless God, I think he preached that one last year and he just changed the title of it. <laughs> well, he's an evangelist. You can tell that was a canned message. He's probably got five that he picks from every church he goes to. Come on, am I the only one? Huh? Yeah, that's what evangelists do. It's just like the Bible. You know, you can read the Bible, you can read a verse today, and it might not mean a whole lot to you, but you can read it next week or next year, and it come out like fire. And it's the same way with those canned messages. They came through the anointing. It just You might be sitting there cold as a stump, and it might not hit you like it hit somebody else. But it's for somebody. It's still anointed. I've got tapes that I listen to from back in the 60s in Evangelist. And every time I listen to them, I get fired up and want to get outside the truck and run along beside it because I'm so fired up. I think I can do that. Hey, I can chase this chariot. It's still as anointed now as it was then. But I'll be the first to say I'm a critic. I'll get critical about it. I'm not flexible. If you don't have any flexibility in your salvation and your walk with Christ, then you're a little bit religious. I might better start wrapping this thing up, brother. Naaman said, okay, you know what? Y'all talked about it, and I guess maybe you're right. You know, I'm sure that what he thought in his mind, well, what's it going to hurt? Come on. 
What's it going to hurt? You know? What's it going to hurt? You know? I'll go do it. If it doesn't work, then I knew it wasn't going to work anyway. He wouldn't come out to see me. He wouldn't wave his hand over me like I thought he should do. He wasn't going to do everything. He wouldn't take, you know, I brought all this money with me, brought all this gold and all this silver and all these changes of clothes, and he wouldn't even come out. He wouldn't even come out and look at it. He sent a servant. So I'll go ahead and do it anyway. Went down to the Jordan. He dipped seven times, and what happened? He was cleansed. The plan was to wash, but the promise was to cleanse. Amen. Said his skin looked like a baby's skin. Hallelujah. He come up out of that water. Amen. Hallelujah. Sometimes when you come up out of the blood of Jesus Christ and you have a true encounter with this Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Man, when I was up in North Fayette County one morning walking and talking to the Lord. I said, Lord, I'm addicted. I know I'm addicted. I've started back to church. I know you can do it, but if you can't do this, this is a guess. I guess this is the way I'm going to be all my life. I had done so much and been in it so long, 20-something years. I just felt like, well, this is the way life's going to be. It's just I can't do it on my own. I've tried. I've tried to move out of the state. I've tried this. I've tried to go to counseling. I've tried that. I've tried to, you know. Hide from people, whatever, but it's just not working. Can you do it? If you can't, it's not going to get done. I took a step here and said, it ain't going to get done. I took a step here. And he said, son, I'm stronger than any drug. And I always will be. And in that step, the Holy Ghost hit me. And I got filled. No man touched me. I didn't call 1-800-WILL-YOU-PLEASE-PRAY. I didn't have no rag I carried around in my pocket. All I had to do was get to a point of obedience and surrender like Nahum. I finally decided that, you know what? What have I got to lose? I'll give it to him. I'll surrender to him. I'll be obedient to him. I'll dip in this water. I'll go according to the plan, and I'll grab the promise of cleansing. And soon as I, soon as that Holy Ghost hit me, it was like a lightning bolt surging through me. And I was reminded of the scripture from years gone by that there's a fire shut up in my bones. Hallelujah. And I thought to myself, good God Almighty, this is what mama was talking about. Hallelujah. Amen. And I walked out from under that addiction. It snapped like a dry twig in the wintertime. And I've never been back in 24 years. Hallelujah. 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 Some of you may have prodigals. Some of you may have dope heads in your family. Don't give up. God can still do it. I had some friends I used to run with, and they got saved before I did. I got saved, and they got all excited about it. And one of them came up to me and said, Corey, you know, I used to pray for you, but I just thought you was too far gone. <laughs> Thanks. I appreciate that. And I'll look her straight in the eyes, and I'll tell her. told her then, I'll tell her today. Ain't nobody too far gone. You can't get too far out there. I don't care how many layers of mire are over the top of you. God can dig you out. Amen? Amen. What Naaman didn't really realize... When he came up clean, of course, he went back over there to Elisha's house, and he tried to pay him, you know. Let me go ahead and pay you. Let me go ahead and tell you there's no other God than the God of Israel. And, you know, and some of us, let me turn my back where nobody thinks I'm really talking to them. It's easy to jump up on the mountain after the answer. 
It's easy to jump and shout after he's done it. It's during the begging. It's during the pleading. It's during the time that it takes and the time that passes by. That's where you find out what you're really made of. When road, we can all jump up on the mountain and shout. Amen. I love to dance around and jump and shout when I'm giving testimonies because I still, you know, just like with the one about uh, my deliverance, I still get excited 24 years later when I just tell somebody about it because I can still remember that, you know, power. But see, the thing about it is, is I met no man or woman meets with a true encounter of Jesus Christ and ever stays the same. Some people talk about him. Some people know how to quote the scripture, but they've never really met him. They got him up here, but they don't have him here. You know, a lot of people will miss heaven by 18 inches, the exact distance between your top of your head and your heart. You got it up here, but you hadn't got it down here. That's another sermon for another time. Amen, brother. Amen. That's why I'm never impressed with a title. You can tell me you're a bishop or pastor or evangelist, so-and-so and so-and-so. And so. that, that doesn't matter to me. Whatever's in doctors, whatever, that doesn't matter to me what's in front of your name or what's after your name or this, that, and other. What I want to know is, show me the goods. Show me the power of God flowing through your life. Don't I, sh I ought to tell you who you are by what I see and understand. Not you tell me who you are before you ever get started. Amen. Come on. Brother, now you're putting some weight down on it. Hey, Amen. I'm about to. <laughs> oh, I had an old guy. We went to Fine Arts up in Ohio, and we were shouting and jumping up and down for our kids that were participating. And one old guy, he knew he was from the south. He said, yeah. He said, this is what you're supposed to say. Shoot another arrow in it. I thought, well, that's a pretty good one there. You know, I might use that one on somebody sometimes. Amen. So Naaman criticized the river. He was a river critic. Don't y'all be river critics. You know, and it takes a little while to pray through religion. <laughs> because it's ingrained. And we've been taught. And that's what they said. And so-and-so stood in the pulpit, and he taught us that, and that's the way it was, and that's how it worked in our day, and that's how we came up, and that's the way it needs to be. And bless God, it worked then, it'll still work now. Yes, it will. But there's a thousand other ways for it to work too. Amen? I won't call any names, but we had a preacher preach uh, Sunday morning or so ago, and he's not one of my favorites. I'm being religious. We're talking about religion, aren't we? He's a great guy, wonderful, easy to talk to, enjoy him, humble as he can be. He's just not my favorite preacher. And he preached a good message three or four Sundays ago, whenever it was. My daughter stayed for the second service. She came home. Oh, you came. So-and-so, so so I just, boy, he sure did preach. I took notes, and I did this, and I did Oh, wait, what he did was so good. And I thought the unflexibility of religion, because I had a predetermined thought when I sat down and he stood up. 
And it might not have touched me or been for me or maybe my attitude got in the way when I sat down. But it touched that 16-year-old. And maybe I'm solid in it. And maybe she's on her way to being solid. But bless God, if it works for her, then I need to get, oh, I, you know, fake it till you make it. I, hey, look here. Yeah, I agree. He was great, wasn't he? Didn't you enjoy that? I'm not supposed to let my thoughts and my feelings bleed off on her. I'm not supposed to give her my slant. I had to repent. Lord, I repent for that bad attitude and that religious attitude. I know y'all don't have it, and I'm really not preaching to y'all. I'm preaching to some other men's breakfast down the road that are gathered down here that are really religious. It's not us. We used, to, we used to have a pastor once upon a time, and he'd always say, the American church is like this. When say it was our church, even though if you're smart enough, you realize that we are a part of the American church. But he would, he would talk, the American church does this. I thought, man, what great word that is, huh? I tried to tell y'all I'm honest, transparent. I don't have no degree. I hadn't been to no cookie-cutter school. Got to have a little sip of water where I can really bring, bring the finale on. Three points in a poem, although I'm not a poet. Nahum went and did what he did. He's, he, he got cleansed. He went back. He wanted to pay Elisha off. Elisha says, no, I'm not taking any of that money. He said, well, can I at least get two mule loads of dirt? It doesn't say it, but I believe it. He went back and built himself an altar. <laughs> it's like, I'm taking that dirt out of your backyard because you're the man of God. I did what you told me to do, and I'm going to take this dirt, and I'm going to pile it up in the back of my house, and I'm going to remember, ain't nobody else going to really know, but I'm going to go back there every morning, and I'm going to lay on that dirt. I'm going to kneel next to that dirt. I'm going to touch that dirt, throw a little bit of that dirt over me, and remember what God did for me over here in Israel. Remember what he did for me over here in the Jordan, amen? And what Naaman didn't really understand is, is this is in chapter 5, in chapter 2, Elijah took Elisha. And you know, if you go back and you read that, he tried to get rid of Elisha several times. Every time he went somewhere, he said, you just go on, it's too far, you can stay here. He gave Elisha at least five or six times that he could back out, but he said, no, I'm going where you're going, I'm staying where you're staying, I'm not going to leave you. Sometimes there's a price to pay for the mantle. Oh, brother, you sure are preaching. This is supposed to be just a men's breakfast Bible study, but I think you're preaching. They might not ever let you back over here. Because I'm religious, and that's what I think. <laughs> oh, I'm messing with y'all a little bit. It's all right to laugh and have a little fun, isn't it? Come on, somebody. What he didn't understand is over in chapter 2... Elijah took that mantle and he slapped that Jordan. And that Jordan parted. 
And him and Elisha went across to the other side, and he was taken up in a chariot. The river came back together, and Elisha got ready after Elijah was gone. He thought, how am I going to get back to the other side? Well, this mantle fell out of the chariot. It worked for him. Let's see if it's going to work for me. He took that mantle and slapped that Jordan, and that Jordan parted. It was also the same river that Joshua took the kids over to the promised land and said, look, we're going to cross this thing, and we're going into the promised land. Naaman didn't know what that river really held. Naaman didn't know that that river was the river that flowed through Israel that God himself said this is the river of rivers that was the river where the man of God and the other man of God that took the mantle had come across and come back and it was a Jordan and he was sitting back being a river critic well bless God I don't see how that brings glory to God oh you don't well let me show you how these about 100 150 students are going to go to the altar after what you didn't think brought glory to God you don't think that brings glory to God, and that's not your favorite preacher. Let me tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to bring you a 16-year-old, and she's going to be so excited about the message and so excited about the Holy Ghost that you're going to sit back and wonder, why were you such a river critic? Maybe that river wasn't flowing for you, but bless God, it must have flowed for your daughter, didn't it? God will do you that way. Come on, God will do you that way, your religious fanatic. Come on, don't think just because the river don't look like you think it should look doesn't mean that it can't flow like it needs to flow. If God wants to flow out through the fog machine, he can flow out through the fog machine. If he wants to flow out through the dim lights, he can flow out through the dim lights. It had never stopped him from flowing before. I did a Sunday school class for 15 years, and people would get their food. You know, we'd have food in the beginning. They'd want to get up and get seconds. You could tell they itching to get up especially those of us who have bigger temples. <laughs> bigger temple just means there's more room for the Holy Ghost. And all you big temple people say, Amen, brother. You can tell they were itching to get seconds. You stand up in front of people long enough, you can just about read their face, especially when you see the same people week after week after week. Come on, brother, in the back, you know. And I used to tell him, I said, you want to get up and get seconds? You can get up and get seconds. That isn't going to disturb me. If that disturbs the anointing I got, then it wasn't much of anointing to bring in here anyway. Get up. If y'all all want to leave, like my brother said, I done preach this to the trees this morning during prayer. It doesn't matter if you stay or you go. Same Jordan that they split and walked over. Same Jordan, the promised land. A couple of chapters later, same Jordan that the axe head floated in. Oh... Come on, somebody. And I'm still getting, asking God to give me revelation about that axe head floating. <laughs> give me some real deep revelation on that one. I get that it was a barred tool. I get that it was miraculous. I get that it was metal. I get that it already sang. I get that it came up when the man of God said for it to come up. But what did it really mean? Y'all need to go home and pray about that one. Unless you've got some revelation on it, then you need to come talk to me. Amen, amen. Matthew 3.13, then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan. Of course, this was years on down the line, but who knew about it when they told Elisha to tell the man to go wash in the Jordan? He said, that's going to be the same Jordan that my son's going to get baptized in. That's going to be the same Jordan that John gets down in, coming out of the wilderness eating honey and locusts. I'm going to let you be a part of what is to come.
by going and dipping in that thing. And sometimes we miss it because we want to be river critics. And it may not be today, but it may be something God's setting up down the line. If we'll just be open and flexible and repent of our spiritual leprosy called religion. Come on, brother. We've all got it. Nobody in here is without it. If you've been in it for any amount of time, you got a little bit of it in your life. Amen. And it's like my little girl, she had a note, a sticky note that I cleaned out her car the other day, and she had a list of things on there, and you could tell they were things that she felt like she was dealing with, you know, in her life. I brought it in and handed it to her. And she said, well, Daddy, Daddy that, you're not supposed to see that, so well, you need to cover your tracks a little bit better and learn to throw this stuff away. I said, but you know what the great thing is? Is you recognize those shortcomings in your life to make a list and present it to God. When you act like there's nothing wrong with your spiritual leprosy and you keep putting on your little Sunday face and you keep doing the Sunday Christian grammar about being blessed and highly favored and you don't, I mean, you ain't got to go tell everybody. You, you might have somebody you tell and want to be accountable to, but the main thing is, is, is you take it to the Lord and say, wash me. This is the plan. Wash me. The promise is cleansing. And he'll cleanse you. Amen. And I know that grace and mercy and I get all that. But personally, I get saved every day. I start my morning every morning. God, wash me. Cleanse me. Dip me in the blood and wash me on the washboard of the cross. And take anything I've done. In the last 24 hours since I talked to you last and cleanse me from it. And if there's anything that the Holy Ghost spotlight needs to shine on, if I need to go say something, apologize to somebody, please bring it to my attention. I want to walk upright before you. And then he'll say, well, what about Sunday when you was being critical of that river? And you know, you ask... And you shall receive. Amen. How many of you in here can raise your hand with me and say, you know what? I can be a river critic from time to time. I can be a little religious from time to time. I understand what you're saying, you know. I get it. Yeah, we all can. And those that didn't raise their hand, I would have thought to myself, being a little religious, aren't you? <laughs> Oh, Heavenly Father, Lord, right now, I pray that uh, all of those, and I think it was everybody, Lord, that raised their hand, I pray that they will right now be washed in the blood. Just like Naaman was washed in that river. Let the river of the blood of Jesus Christ wash over me and then let it go out and wash over all of us, Lord. Let us not be religious. Let us be flexible. Let us... Know that you can do it any way you want to and the river can flow from anywhere you want it to flow from. Lord, it's not just us. It's, it's throughout the American church. Religion has taken over the American church. It's easy to be religious and come in and put our mask on, but it's tough to be transparent. Lord, it, it was tough this morning for me to be transparent about some of my own shortcomings. But Lord, I just pray that 
somebody can identify and somebody can say, you know, if he's up there and he's telling it, I, I understand where he's coming from. And, Lord, if, if he's repenting, I need to repent too. I just, I just want everybody, Lord, I want everybody in this room to feel the true love of Jesus Christ and to be able to walk in that power. And, Lord, right now, if there be anybody in this room that needs healing in their body, I pray in the wonderful, powerful name of your Son, Jesus Christ, from that Lord, heal from the top of their head to the soles of their feet according to your word. And your word says, by his stripes we were healed. According to your word, it says, when two or more agree on any one thing, it shall be done. And I join my faith with their faith. And in Jesus' name, let healing power flow. Lord, if there are any relationships that need to be mended, Right now, in Jesus' name, I ask that that begin to start, even this hour, this minute, and this day. Lord, go with us. Take care of us. Be with us. Traveling mercies, families, wives, sons, daughters. Lord, touch us and do the things that only you can do. Lord, I give you all the glory and all the praise. And Lord, right now, I dance in advance of all those answers. Hallelujah, they're on the way. Hallelujah. Lord, I dance in advance in my heart, in my mind of all those answers that are coming. And we give you glory for it in Jesus' name.